good out here in the world. Yes, this is the Weird is a New Black episode 34. This is a quickie because I have one I'm doing tomorrow. That one should be dope. Should be dope. But today, with so much that happened over the past, what, 48 hours? I just felt the need to record. What did Andre 3000 say? I can't afford to not record. So, this is me sharing some thoughts with y'all. So this morning I got up, stretched, showered, washed my face, and I took my ass down to my uh, local barbershop, shout out to my main man C, and let me tell you something, it feels so damn good to have a defined hairline once again. I truly look like a savage, an unloved savage, when I don't have a haircut. Because for me, I get my haircut every two weeks. So the first week after my haircut, I'm cool. I'm all right. But then the second week, you know, the chin hair start coming in. The sideburns start getting buck. And I can't really grow a beard, so I start getting patches here and there. The hairline starts looking crazy. I just look like someone who needs help. I look like one of those people in those homeless commercials. Like five cents a day. And keep this black man off the street. So thank you, C, for uh, saving my life and my appearance. Because I was out here bugging. Supremely bugging. But yeah, I've been going to that shop since the late 80s. 89, 90. But it's been under different management. Different people cutting in the front chair and all that. So now it's uh, owned by the homie C. He has the front chair. So of course, me being in the front chair, I can sit there in front of the window and people watch. And it's just amazing to see how my neighborhood has changed within the blink of an eye. Like, it's crazy. Like, I remember across the street, we had the Carrot Cake Man and, you know, a couple, like, African braiding salons and this random empty-ass office space. Now, that space is a taco spot, man. Local pays. I ain't been there yet, but, you know, I'm hearing different things about it, so I might swing through and check it out. So, yeah, that's my neighborhood, man. I love seeing the change. I saw the Bobby Brown story. Bobby Brown story. On uh, BET this week, it was a two-night event. Look, I enjoyed the hell out of it. But first, let me say this. I had to find some crazy way to watch the show. My cable provider, they didn't have BET. Shit, man, what am I going to do? So my homie, uh, shout out to lovely young Sabrine out here. She put me on game and said, check out the, the site. See if you can watch it on there. Somehow, some way, I found uh, a link that allowed me to watch uh, the shows via a 24-hour preview. So I got to see night one and night two. I dug it. Like, I enjoyed the new edition story that came out last year, and I enjoyed Bobby's story. Just first of all, look, Bobby was a wild dude. I'm just happy he's been able to survive some of his adventures. You know, besides him being, like, as huge as he was in the late 80s via the uh, Don't Be Cruel album, you know, you saw him with uh, the Whitney Houston marriage, and you saw how that ended. You saw his life afterwards when he started to get himself clean, uh, back to normal. And he witnessed a lot of death. His, let me see, we go far back in the story, you see how he lost his best friend. Pretty much killed in front of him. Then there's another moment where in 95, he's in the car with his homie, who's his bodyguard, and who also happened to be the fiance to his younger sister. And he gets killed right in the same car with him. Like, he's sitting there as his friend gets shot to death, and that's nutty. Then you go fast forward to a time when, you know, he's clean, and he's trying to get his life back on track. His mom dies, dad dies, Whitney dies, and then he loses his daughter, Bobby Christina, all within the span of a couple years. So, yeah, you can see how his life was about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but 
there was so much more to it. Those two nights were truly a story about surviving. Surviving in the environment of fame, being attacked by your own demons. He went through a lot. He went through a lot. And that's why he's my main man to this very day. You cannot front on Bobby Brown. That Don't Be Cruel album was bananas. My prerogative was on that joint. Every little step I take, I still got that dance down in my head too. That's my shit. He had that bomb-ass cameo in Ghostbusters 2. Talking to the Ghostbusters, trying to get his brother a pack. And then Aquarius said, nah, man, this ain't for kids. I felt that shit. Because I wanted a pack. But yeah, man, Bobby was that dude. Also, let me get this off my chest real quick. I'm so sick and tired of everybody hating on Bobby. Me talking about his relationship with Janet Jackson. Okay, I understand, like, okay, it's putting it on Front Street, but it's his story. And if he got with Janet Jackson, he got with Janet Jackson. People are like, oh, that ain't never happened. Why would she want to get with him? Are you nuts? See, I'm looking at Bobby now. Y'all know Bobby then. 88, 89, 90? Like, dude, you understand. He went on tour off that Don't Be Cruel album for three years. Three fucking years he was on tour off that. He was one of the biggest artists in R&B, period. So why wouldn't she be down with Bobby? And plus, people are saying, oh, Bobby ugly. Bobby was ugly. Let me tell you something. To think that looks is all it takes to gain someone's affections, to be found attractive by someone, is just on a surface level, must be out of your mind. Because I can guarantee you, look at your parents. If your mom is beautiful and your dad is an average Joe, you can bet that he had more on the ball than just looks to get your moms. There's that. But it reminds me of this joke that Chris Rock said on the 2003 VMAs. Because, because of course, people won't shame, don't want to believe Bobby, but y'all had nothing to really say when it was Jermaine and uh, Jermaine Dupree and Janet. All right? So here's a joke. So Chris Rock was on there and he said, you know what? Damn, I had such a big crush on Janet Jackson since good times. I loved her on good times. I didn't think I had a chance. Then I see it with Jermaine Dupree, and I'm like, damn, I had a chance. We all had a chance. He says, seeing her with him is like realizing there was a sale a day after it's over. I'm like, damn, I could have had a Bentley for $4. That shit had me rolling. Funny as hell. You know, but hey, shout out to Bobby Brown, man. Don't follow him. If he got her, then he got her. That's how it goes down. But one more thing I want to say about this story. So they mentioned, uh, you know, Bobby and Whitney and Whitney's girlfriend, Robin. Now, if you don't know, uh, it's been long gossip for pretty much for as long as she's been in the industry, for as long as Whitney has been in the industry, that it's been long rumored in the industry that Whitney Houston was lesbian or bisexual because they would always see her girlfriend around. Girlfriend Robin. Now, in the movie, it made it seem like Colonel Robin definitely did have a relationship. Now, I've, I have Bobby's book around here somewhere. I have to crack it open um, probably over the next few weeks. But it's a very interesting dynamic. Very interesting dynamic. I got I to gotta read that book, man. The book is called Every Little Step. And it seems fire. Charlemagne says it's one of the best books that he's ever, ever read. So I'm hyped to check it out. Because I'm sure that what we saw on screen probably fails the comparison to what we actually read in the book. So boom, that's how that goes. 
And speaking of that time frame, man, like 88 to 92, maybe 93, I wish I could have partied during the New Jack Swing era. Like, it's the club music, the house music, the R&B, like, the pop, all that shit. Because that's still in the time when, like, Michael Jackson dropped Dangerous, and that shit had, remember the time on it? Come on, man. All fire. Jam. Come on. You got to get me a jam. This shit was dope. Yeah, Heavy D on the joint. Jam, jam. Here comes the jam. Come on, man. Also, like, during that time, you had Belle Biv DeVoe when they dropped their album, Poison. First of all, Poison came out 28 years ago. 28 years ago. And that song is still a banger. It's still fire. It's still relevant. I don't think that I've ever heard any song released since Poison has come out that has the same power in the clubs, in the parties. When Poison comes on the radio, you are automatically in a trance. You singing along with the shit. Can't trust a big button to smile, all that. She's dangerous. I can't hit the uh, Ricky Bell high notes, but you got it. You know what's going on. So, yeah, that's, that was my shit, man. I just, yo, I really love that era. Like, I love Delight. Delight had the one song, Groovers in the Heart. And a joint called Runaway. Yo, I'm telling you something, man. Lady Kier. Lady Kier. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, but she was the lead singer in the group, man. She was super bad, super fire. Oh, my goodness. Shout out to Delight. All right. So, other things went down this week. I want to say rest in peace to Rich Quick. He was an MC. He was nice, too. Someone was really nice with his. Though I never got a chance to meet him, I got a lot of homies in the Philly uh, rap scene who knew him and crossed paths with him, and they had nothing but positive, loving things to say about this guy. And he was a young dude, too, which even, which even sucks even more. But I you know, want him to rest in peace, send my condolences and all that to his friends and family. I'm sure that's, that's a rough time. But then after that, like the next day, I hear about Mac Miller passing away. And I actually met Mac Miller uh, in 2011 backstage at the Roost Picnic. I was doing some work with the uh, Babylon Cartel. Yeah, yep. I was doing some work with them. We caught him towards the end of the night. Because this is around the time when uh, Mac was rocking with different producers. He was making his way in the industry. He had a lot of buzz. and Everybody loved him. He had a great energy about him. And afterwards... I listened to all of his projects. He had the SDS joint produced by Flying Lotus. He had the Divine Feminine album, which I loved. His recent album, Swimming, is, man, there's a song on that album called 2009, and I played it all evening yesterday. Beautiful song. He has a lot of, man, he had a lot of great joints. So if you can, during the weekend or whenever you hear this, play some Mac Miller. You know, just vibe out to his memory and enjoy the music. So, once again, rest in peace to Mac Miller. Also, to you fucking internet psychopaths out there, like, how are you really going to sit on your ass behind a computer screen or behind your phone screen and start, like, going in on Ariana Grande? Just, like, just doing jabs at her and trying to blame her for Mac's death. Nigga, you nuts. Come on, man. That's... That's why I hate keyboard warriors, and that's my thing about social media. I feel like way too many people have access to social media. It's way too free, because too many idiots can get on there 
and say what they want. So I'm, I've never been that kind of kind of a guy where, okay, like if I'm not going to say what I'm going to say to you in person, I'm not going to say it about you behind a private account on your in your comment section on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. I keep the same energy. That's how I got to do it. And speaking of keeping the same energy, yo. So, of course, last night there was a uh, news broke out that Cardi B and Nicki Minaj got into a fight. I love Cardi B. And she's an around-the-way girl from the Bronx who climbed her way to the top and made it happen. Her last album, or her first album, I should say, Invasion of Privacy, had jams on it. Jams on it. I haven't really been a Nicki Minaj fan. I'm not really impressed. And her album came out, and she's got a, she was going haywire, getting mad at everybody because her album was number two. It's like, yo, just be, just be happy somebody actually bought your funky-ass album. You know, just be happy if somebody actually spent X amount of money on iTunes and downloaded your Queen album. Yeah, be humble. Be be grateful. Like, uh, <laughs> according to Cardi, Nicki was like sending subs, dissing on the low, telling people not to work with her. And Cardi said, whatever, I checked you on those things. It didn't matter. But you decided to go at me and my child and my mothering and all that. And that that's the last straw. So, you know, it's on. And look, I'm not one to like perpetuate or to promote violence, but I kind of want to see that. I kind of want to see how good Cardi's hands are. Does she use the jab? Does she use the hook? Does she know Muay Thai? It's very curious. I want to know how it all goes down. Also, also, so I haven't really been that hot on Kanye since the slavery was a choice comment that he since apologized for. I I didn't cancel him. I was just cool off Kanye. I'm like, my man is definitely going through some shit right now. And he got he to gotta get himself together. He dropped those albums every week in June. The Nas, the Pusher, the Tiana Taylor, his album, and the Kids See Ghost collaborative album with Cuddy. Now, of all the albums he, he dropped, the album that I probably will go back and listen to now without question is probably the Kids See Ghost project. Because I'm a big fan of Cuddy. Keep it real. So recently he dropped a single with Lil Pump featuring like an intro from uh, Adele Gibbons from one of her stand-ups. And the song's called I Love It. It is so damn catchy. And I love the song. I'm a nasty Negro, okay? I'm a sexual being, I'm sex positive. And the song was about, it's about that, about nastiness, okay? It's about nastiness. Allow me to quote a few words from the song, if I may. The chorus of the song, sung by uh, Lil Pump, goes like this. You're such a fucking hoe. I love it. You're such a fucking hoe. I love it. And the pre-verse goes, you're such a fucking hoe. I love it. I'm a fucking bitch. Tell her cousin. Your boyfriend is a dork. McLovin. Yeah. A1 lyrics right there. Shakespearean, if you ask me. But I love the song. It's catchy and it's nasty. And I am a freakazoid, so yeah. I'm down with that. But yeah, I just want to say one more thing as well before I cut out this quickie episode is that I and like I'm starting to get the hang of this whole podcast thing in terms of being a personality. You know, I've done a couple shows where I've spoken to different guests and we had great interactions, but I'm still trying to find like the right voice. Cause I feel like I hold, hold myself back whenever I'm on the microphone. But I know that I can be a bit more free with my behavior, with my words. I'm still respectful as hell. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like I can still push 
and push and push just to test my limits. And you'll be seeing that over the next few episodes. So, yo, thanks for listening to me talk for a little bit. My little quickie-ass session. I'll catch y'all when I catch y'all on the next show. Bye. Win!